Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Pussycat Podcast. This podcast features incredible interviews with trans and or queer creatives of Tucson, Arizona. We get into everything from astrology, creative source, discussing whether Tucson is truly open to creativity, and especially coming from trans and queer people, and talking about the spectacular creative work that these individuals are creating. Often queer and trans creatives aren't centered in the creative spaces of Tucson, especially folks who are also BIPOC and or disabled. This is an intentional space to engage, promote, and build community. When we are referring to Tucson, Arizona, it's merely a colloquial way of defining a boundary of the folks with whom I will be interviewing. But it's important to note that Tucson, Arizona is home to the Tohono O'odham and Pascual Yaqui people who are the original stewards of this land since time immemorial. Thus, as we move forward, please reflect on how you are viewing land and bodies as we embark in conversations that are often intentionally left out of mainstream media. If you are interested in seeing whose land you are on, visit native-land.co. By the way, I'm your host, Bo. I use any and all pronouns, but typically we'll use they, them in social settings. I'm so glad you're here and enjoy the podcast. Carlin Bradley is a Black, fat, queer, femme, senior, double majoring in political science and gender and women's studies at the University of Arizona and uses he, him, and they, them pronouns. Carlin is a scholar, theorist, community organizer, artist, and educator. They have been able to use and expand their knowledge of intersectional feminist theory to create programming that educates and empowers folks around topics of race, gender, sexual orientation, and power dynamics. Their studies in political science and gender and women's studies at the University of Arizona have also shaped and influenced their ability to understand, critique, and analyze policy through a critical race feminist lens. After graduating from the University of Arizona, Carlin hopes to obtain a graduate-level degree in gender and women's studies and law and continue doing community organizing work to create a just and liberatory world for Black folks. When they are not doing community work, Carlin likes to hang out with their friends, eat and cook a good meal, and watch movies. They also like to work on their podcast, Beneath the Surface, write poetry, draw, live their dream as an amateur top model, and watch Scandal. Carlin is Southern California born, currently residing in Tucson, Arizona. And now a word from our sponsor. Are you seeking transformative bodywork which relaxes the mind and heals the body? Welcome to Tucson Deep. Tommy, a queer body worker, offers traditional deep tissue massage for pain and anxiety relief and fully clothed yo massage for a trauma-informed and transformative mind-body-soul experience. Tucson Deep offers special pricing for LGBTQIA+, and Two-Spirit folks, as well as BIPOC. Read more about Tommy, Tucson Deep, and book your massage at www.tucsondeep.com and use code PUSSYCAT 
at checkout for $10 off your first massage. Hey, it's Bo again. I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. Well, I am so grateful that you are here. I have known of you. I have never directly like met you face to face. So I'm geeking a little bit. I think you're like (laughs) really fucking awesome. And so I'm just so excited to have you here and just like share space with you. And I'm really grateful for it. Thank you for the invite. I really appreciate it. Um, I really, yeah, I love talking obviously I have a podcast um and it is is always really nice to meet um it's always really nice to like meet people who are like oh my gosh I've heard of you or I saw you at a speaking event or like or we've been Facebook friends like there was someone that I ran into at something and I was like oh follow me on Facebook and they were like I do they're like, we've been Facebook friends for like five years or something. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, You're like, like, sorry. No, they're like, no, it's fine. They're like, (laughs) you like know a whole bunch of people. Like, Uh I'm just glad to have been able to like run into you and talk to you in real life. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because every engagement that I've had with you has never been direct. It's either been you speaking at an event or it's been like some community organizing something or other, or it's been someone just sitting there and talking about your work and being like gaga over you so (laughs) I'm just I'm super grateful and I think that's fucking awesome I mean like absolutely live in your element and be like I know you know me sorry I don't know you that's okay (laughs) um so I guess the first thing I kind of like to do to break the ice is I say this every podcast it's totally okay if you're not into astrology live your best life I do not believe that it is intrinsic to queerness or transness in any way like you know what I mean but for me personally I love it and I love talking about it with folks and if they're open to it I always ask them what their big six is and so your big six is your sun your moon your rising your Mm -hmm. Venus your Mars and your Mercury and that's just where the planets were whenever you were born yeah, so I actually do. Um, I'm like I'm actually a baby astrologer. Um, so nice. Yeah, yes, I am learning uh, astrology, and that has been a really cool process. I have a really cool mentor um, that I've been learning from, and so my big six are um, my sun and rising are in Capricorn. My moon is in Cancer. My Mercury is also in Capricorn. My Mars is in Aries. My Venus is in Sagittarius. And then I think that those were the ones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I have a, I am a stacked first house. Um, I have five placements of my, in my first house. And my first house, my first house is in Capricorn and I have five placements in Capricorn Um, in my first house. Yeah, stacked first house. It's, it's, it's a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> It explains who you are. Like that is amazing. I mean, when I think really superficially of a Capricorn, it's like entrepreneur, right? Someone who knows what the fuck they're talking about. And like, here you are. Like that's, that's incredible to me. Yes. Yeah. So stacked first house. Um, 
And it's really interesting the more that I have been learning about astrology because um, I have a stacked first house of self, which, you know, first house is uh, like zodiacally ruled by Aries, but then my first house is ruled by Capricorn, which is, right. so it's like ambition on top of ambition. Um, and then my, uh, your first house is opposite your seventh house. Um, mm -hmm. So your seventh house is zodiacally ruled by um, the seventh house is directly ruled by Libra, which is Aries's sister sign, and mine is ruled by Cancer, which is Capricorn's sister sign. Um, and so it's like it, it's this, there's this interesting tension that exists. Like for people who like who know me intimately, um, there is this tension that I have between all of the ambitions that I have for myself versus how I am in relationship to others because, you know, having a cancer moon and being very sentimental and being um, very emotional um, and being, and that being like, that is one of the ways that I do relate to people is through like feelings, um, mm -hmm. but that's not always necessarily conducive to like the ambitions they have myself so right as as, <laughs> as a cancer moon as well i am like oh i absolutely understand what you're saying um i even feel like so much so i mean the so for those who don't know the the only two signs that aren't ruled by like a planet is cancer and leo leo is ruled by the sun and cancer is ruled by the moon so if your moon sign is in cancer like you are feeling the tides if you will um and i feel like those kinds of folks speaking of me specifically and others who have cancer moons were kind of like I would say the healers of the group, like we are so in tune to that energy that like we just kind of naturally, like you said, are feeling the emotions, are relating to people in that way. In asking for you and in what you do in your work, maybe if you could delve deeper into one, do you feel like you are a healer of sorts mm -hmm. in the work that you do? And two, what is that like with the work that you are doing and feeling like, am I healing myself? Am I healing others? What is that like to be um, having to kind of perform that labor, I guess? Yeah. So I think, um, yes, absolutely. Um, I do feel like a healer-ish. Um, it's something, it's not, and it's not even like something, like I don't even think that sometimes I am like, and like purposefully a healer um, to people. And I think that like me, like me, if that was, you know, that's not something that I necessarily for a long time identified with. And it has been, you know, years later, um, as I have gotten older, as I have gotten to know more people that like, it has been, it has been people who have come to me and have been like, hey, you know, I remember this thing that you did for me, or I remember when we were, you know, friends back in the day, or uh, you did X, Y, and Z thing, or like, oh, the space that you provided for me to be able to process this thing really made me feel seen. And I was so like, um, I feel like that that's one of the ways that it manifests itself is that I have, and the person who I'm learning astrology from was looking at my chart and their chart, and they were like, "Yeah, you have like 
they're like, you have a huge capacity for like holding emotional space for people. And it was interesting too, because sometimes, um, I don't know if you ever have these moments, if you're just like, maybe astrology is just bullshit. Um, and then like something will happen to confirm it for you. So I was in therapy a couple of years ago and one of the things that my therapist, when I was like telling them, I was like, here's the things that I'm dealing with and here's like the issues that I'm having and here's what's causing me stress. And one of the things was there were a lot of, my therapist had gotten to a point where she was like, I don't want for you, she's like, you, you spend a lot of time in your sessions talking about other people and their problems. She was like, so like, we don't talk about other people anymore. Mm -hmm. And there was a point where she was like, your capacity to hold emotions for people and to hold space for all of the things that people are carrying is actually fascinating to me as a therapist because she's like you really are holding a lot for a whole bunch of other people and like it stresses you the fuck out but like you she's like but like your ability to do it and the amount of empathy that you have and the fact that you have and, and she's like it stresses you out but it hasn't exhausted you or you're not entirely jaded is astonishing right mm -hmm. so then fast forward years later when someone is reading my chart and they say almost two people who don't know each other and like they're saying something that's almost like verbatim right about how I have this ability to hold space a lot of space for like a lot of space for people right and mm -hmm. so I think the thing that is sometimes challenge that is challenging about that and that like I did work through, or I started to work through in therapy and then have to continue to like work through is that is, um, it's almost as if people know it, right? Like they're mm -hmm. that P and people, a lot of people have um, emotionally dumped on me. And I spent like most of the time, I'll just like sit there and I'll be like, this person must be doing this because like, they need someone to talk to about this stuff. So I'm right. just gonna, so I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna listen. Um, and that has, that was a thing that used to, um, that used to get me into a lot of trouble in the sense of like, it was emotionally draining. So then I didn't have like time and energy for myself. I was like, I would, you know, I'm supposed to be doing something else right now, but like this person apparently, like this person feels like they're in crisis or like mm -hmm. this person like, must need to do this because there must not be other people for them. There must not be other people for them to process with because if there were, they would not be they would not be pouring so much onto me. Um, so I used to do that. I would literally just sit there and like let people mm -hmm. <laughs> and I would, you know, advise people, give them guidance, affirm them. Um, but that was exhausting because yeah. it wasn't like the things that people were sharing with me, you know, it varied. Some of it was like superficial, not superficial to them. Right. But it wasn't right. like, it was like, it was like low level things in the sense of like, I'm having like interpersonal conflict that I don't know how to like move through. Right. And right. what I mean by low level, like, I don't want people to assume what I'm saying is that like, whatever people are feeling, their feelings are valid. So that was, I'm using like levels in a way to kind of help people understand the, the expanse, right? Because it went from, I'm having interpersonal problems with my roommates or like me and my friends are having a hard time communicating with one another to like, 
generational trauma to sure. like trigger warning, like sexual violence or sexual right. trauma that people have experienced. So it was like a range of things that people would share with me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to hold space for all of it. Right. And so it wasn't just, and, and, like, and, and when people, when people um, are vulnerable and open up to you, and I think that this was the thing, or this is the thing that I think people like about me is that. I don't just, I'm not just like, mm-hmm, yeah, wow. Mm, that's so, I like list people or people tell me, they're like, I, you remember shit. Like you mm-hmm. pay attention and you engage with me and you, sure. like, if you don't actually have an answer to something, you'll be like, I don't know what to say um, to you, but I just want to affirm. And so, I'm, you know, it's not just, that shit sticks, it stays with me. I remember things that people tell me because I'm like, well, just in case they come back next time, like, I don't want to be like, oh, I don't remember any of the things that you said to me because I wasn't paying attention. Because which is like the worst thing that you could do if if someone's being vulnerable with you, even if you didn't ask for that vulnerability, right? Um, You still, I I always feel the need um, to, to, uh, when folks are like in that space, I, I feel like I have, I need to show up um, to that space, which has, which was really, which was challenging because like, it is draining. Um, right. And I didn't know how to be soft and how to be em- empathetic with people and also still have boundaries. And that was this, that was true even for my organizing work is I was like, well, this work has to be done. So mm-hmm. Like if it's depleting me and if I'm not being compensated properly for it, and if I'm always like pulling from my reserve, then that's just the way that it is. Um, so sure. I definitely, from both of those, from being a healer um, into even the type of work that I do, I really have been in a space of learning how to be selfish um, mm-hmm. and really like think about, am do I even have the space to do this? Do I want to do this or have a desire to do this? Um, because I definitely used to move from a space of like duty and feeling like I needed to do this. I was obligated to do these things. And that wasn't, that's not a good space to exist from um, because it doesn't, because it's too much focus on the collective and not enough focus on like, but how am I feeling? And what, what is, what is the impact that these types of things are happening to me right so right yeah I guess that was one of the questions that I had for you is like what one caused you to have a shift like was there a breaking point was there just a space that you got into (laughs) that you were like was the breaking point (laughs) got it got it (laughs) I'm like the breaking point was when my mental health so in um in 20 16 I didn't um I dropped out of school Mm -hmm. and so my mental health was garbage my interpersonal relationships were shit because my mental health was garbage um I was like lashing out at people I didn't have um I was really angry rightfully about a lot of stuff um but I didn't have like I was at capacity and that was and like people didn't know how I think a lot of folks didn't necessarily know how to support me because I also didn't know how to support myself because I had been the, the like 
the person that like had the answers and knew how to do things and had the language for stuff and for sure. strategize. And mm-hmm. so when I was like, I don't fucking know what it's, I don't know how to be this other person that needs help. Or I don't know, I didn't know how to like name I'm exhausted and I need for people to, well, or the, or rather I knew what I needed but I didn't know how to articulate it in a way that wasn't like harmful because the thing that I wanted to say to people was, yes, bitch, I'm exhausted because people keep on relying on me or making me feel as if I have to do these things because of the way that folks had engaged with me. So I had, I was in a, um, my therapist at the time was like, oh, you're a caretaker. And she was like, there's nothing wrong with being a caretaker. She's like, but you have a fucked up, unhelpful, she didn't say fucked up, but she's a professional. But Mm -hmm. she was like, you have an unhealthy relationship (laughs) with being a caretaker and you Mm -hmm. create um, interpersonal dynamics around this role. And so she was like, so who are you? Like when she was like, who are you outside of that? And I was like, I don't fucking know. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, that was the problem was I had so heavily identified with that identity that mm-hmm. when it's like slowly when there were things that were um being pulled away which is interesting because in my in my chart I think I have to I would have to go back and look to see what was going on but I think that in 2016 I think that that may have been because my Saturn return happened in 2018 and or I think it like finished so I think 2016 Saturn may have been getting ready to enter back into my sign mm-hmm. so then I would have been having my I think that like I would have been or not in 2018 I think 2020 is when my Saturn return finished can and you so, explain what a Saturn return is oh really yeah quick. sorry so for, <laughs> so for folks who are listening who don't do astrology or not super familiar with some of the terms um there are so Saturn return is when your is when Saturn returns to where the place in your chart where it was when you were born. And so all of the planets can have, or I think all of the outer planets, um, I think returns are a bigger deal than like the personal planets. The personal planets are the planets, uh, our personal planets are the planets that are closer to earth and whose orbits are faster um the outer planets their their returns are a bigger deal because the outer planets move slower than the inner planets so when we're talking about outer planets we're talking about jupiter um saturn neptune uranus and pluto the united states is actually going through its pluto return which some people are speculating that's why everything is going to shit here is because the planet of destruction death renewal is making its return to um and that's a big deal because pluto takes like forever to i forget how long it takes to yeah, go around to, the sun so to clarify, pluto takes forever <laughs> yeah yeah so essentially it was it was it's in exactly the same position it was on july 4th 1776 right yeah, and yeah, on yeah. on february 22nd 2022 so that was the pluto return for the u.s if you're trying to figure out like when the fuck is like the united states's birthday or whatever yeah, and, that's um, yeah. that's how astrologers are are saying that so continue thank you so much for yeah that so so the saturn return would happen because i think saturn takes it happens every 20 something ish years. 27, I think, yeah. 
So my um, so I think in twenty, so yeah, in twenty sixteen. 2017, I think it would have been getting ready. And that's one of the things that's really interesting about astrology too, is that sometimes if you're paying attention, you can see, you can kind of look to see kind of like what is happening in order for a planet, like what may be going on for planets that are getting ready to go into a specific position. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that, you know, now that I'm out of it, if I looked at the last, and well, if I look at the last couple of years, so Pluto entered my sign of Capricorn in my, in, I think it was 2008. And mm-hmm. so if you, if I look, when I look at like my, the end of my teen years and my twenties, I was able to literally build nothing. Everything that I tried to create for my life fucking crumbled. Right. And I remember when I first learned like what Pluto does, like what its power is as a planet and then, um, and like what it is as like a modality and then learned that it was in my ruling sign and had been mm-hmm. for over a decade. And then when um, there was a, it was like Saturn, Pluto. And then I want to say, I think Jupiter was also in Capricorn. Like I think all three of them at one point were in the sign at the same time and I was just like this explains everything because I have so many fucking Capricorn placements this is why every area of my life it would be like one area of my life would be good and then everything else would be a fucking mess um it was because there was all of this planetary energy that was going through that was like okay Pluto was sort of like you know slow burning and being like here all of the things that exist like within structures that don't work and so it was like structures largely as in like governmental structures and and social structures but then like it was also you Carlin as a person what structures have you created and internalized that also don't work for you as a person and that are actually harming you as a person and like obviously it didn't feel like that right I just felt like why is nothing that I'm doing working? Right. <laughs> what it felt like. I was like, no, the things I'm trying to build are crumbling. Yeah. And so to get, like, to ground us back in, because I'm like, now we're getting into, like, it's turning into an astrology I podcast. love it. I, I love it. I love it. Um, so to ground the, it, though, back in my real life, in 2016, I wasn't able to go back to school because I didn't have money. Um, and it probably was one of the best things that happened to me, right? Um, Dropping out was frustrating at the time, but it was really, I think it was so important for me. Um, And so I ended up going back home. I'm from California, so I went back home um, and stayed stayed with my mom and just was like, really had to sit with like, what was I doing? And like, was I happy with the role that I had? And like, what parts of, you know, being an organizer and being a leader, like, what were the things that worked? And what were the things that didn't? And like, was I happy with, like, my life or in the way that I was like, the the things that I valued? And the answer was like, yes, to some things and no to other things. And um. I was able to like work through a lot of that stuff and really identify that like what were the things that I was like overly identifying with and one of them was I 
took school to see, like I took school or like being in the academy, being seen as like a person with accolades, like I took it too seriously. Um, it was the, there. I was relying so heavily on like external stuff and wasn't like, like I didn't have a really great internal sense of self. Um, and like, and that showed with, and I think the thing that really helped me understand that like, I didn't get, you know, I wasn't smart because I was at the University of Arizona. I wasn't a leader because, you know, I was in charge of things or had titles. It was like, no, you're a bad bitch because you, Carla and a person have cultivated those things. So the title doesn't matter. The place doesn't matter. You are the reason why you are the thing. And yeah. so I, I had to like, learn that and like sure. and really and understand that it wasn't the school and it wasn't a title it was me I yeah. was the thing that was magnificent right. I was the thing that was brilliant I wasn't brilliant because I went to the University of Arizona I was brilliant because I am brilliant yeah I wasn't a leader because I was an ASUA or because I was, I worked in ASA or I did this thing or had this title and was on this committee. I was a leader because of who I was as a person, because right. of my ability to only speak when it was necessary to say something, because of the way that I treated people in my community, because of my ability to empathize with people and to listen. It wasn't because of the titles, it was because of who I was as a person and the gifts that I possessed. And then it was sort of like, okay, so now what am I going to do, you know, with that knowledge? What am I going to, how am I going to ensure that I am, that I'm taking that wisdom with me and like, as I move forward and figure out who I am as a per, as Carlin, the person minus all of this other stuff, right? Because right. It, it did feel, you know, I felt embarrassed to have dropped out of school. Mm -hmm. um, I know that there were people who felt, there were some folks who, you know, felt disappointed because I was, I think that I was, I think that, you know, as a like black person, as a queer person, as a femme, there are a lot of people who, there are a lot of people who expect a lot of things of me. And I, right. and I think I, I felt embarrassed and I felt shame because I felt like I was, I disappointed those folks. I feel like I let them down. Mm -hmm. um, I don't feel that way anymore. Cause I'm just like, none of you are in school. None of you know what it's like. None of you have, none of you know what it has been like um, for me to do the things that I do. Absolutely. And there are ways for me. I'm like, there are ways for me to, I think that there are ways for me. I think I exist now in a space where I am like, I understand that you expect things of me and also your expectations of me are not necessarily my problem a hundred percent i think that honestly can kind of be one of the biggest breakthroughs as well just in personal healing but listening to what you're saying is being able to kind of set down that burden of like the expectations of other folks because like you were saying in 
the work that you were doing previously, like folks would just come to you and maybe dump. And then you're feeling like the expectation of like, oh shit, I need to show up. I need to be present for this person. And so. But then that wasn't being reciprocated. Right. And part of it was because some of those folks like couldn't. Right. And that was, and I think that that was also the thing that was really challenging too, was, um, was like sitting with, there were some like that there are people who as much as I may want something from them, they will not, they may not be able to give me what I need and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And like, and not holding it against people because I used to be really upset about it or I feel frustrated rather because I would find myself in a lot of relationships with people like interpersonally Mm -hmm. um, where we just like, where I was not, I wasn't getting what I needed. And I was, and one of the things my therapist and I argued about one time was um, they were like, you have a problem with accepting that like some people are okay with being twos. And she was like, you might want for yourself to be a seven. Mm-hmm. And she was like, and that's great for you. And this other person might be, want to be a two. And they may never, and they may never strive to be a seven and you just have to be okay with that. And now a word from our sponsor. Tucson Deep offers deep tissue massage, which boosts immune function, improves flexibility, and often relieves stress and anxiety. Deep tissue massage is what Tucson Deep was founded on and is specifically designed for folks who are seeking pain relief and deep relaxation. Yo Massage, a new modality offered at Tucson Deep, is a fully clothed massage option that is trauma-informed at its core and focused on gentle mind-body connection. Yo Massage is for those who are new or returning to their practice of receiving bodywork, practicing yoga, or meditation. This guided massage experience is excellent for those who have experienced physical trauma and want to begin the process of body and mind restoration. Tucson Deep offers special pricing for LGBTQIA+, and Two-Spirit folks, as well as BIPOC. Read more about Tommy, Tucson Deep, and book your massage at www.tucsondeep.com and use code PUSSYCAT at checkout for $10 off your first massage. I didn't realize that I was providing a space where I may have been the only space where people were actually being honest with themselves, right? That may have been one of the, I may have been one of the places where people really felt like I can tell the truth here in this space to myself, be open with how I feel about some, with, with whatever, right? And for this, However long that Carlin and I are sharing time with each other, this might be the only time (laughs) where I am really getting to the depth of things. And then I'm going to walk away and all of the defense mechanisms and all of the rhetoric and all of the everything that I have created in order to survive the world. I'm going to put I'm going to put all the armor back on Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to think about any of, I'm not going to reflect on the shit that Carlin and I just talked about with one another because I don't have time to do that because right. I have to survive this I have to survive the world right and so I didn't get that for a long time and it was really 
And then when I think, I, I feel like I would understand it like intuitively and I would feel frustrated and I would feel angry because I, because I was like, people, people should be able to be vulnerable. People should have the time, they should have the energy, they should have the space, they should have the access to knowledge so they can articulate what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And so that would also drive me to be like, I want to build a world where people can be vulnerable and it doesn't just one, it's not, not just with me, right? Where, there, right. where there's the ability um, collectively for people to be able to share the things that they share with me with other people and, and like more with themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that was, that was the part that felt frustrating and disheartening was that I knew a version of people that they maybe didn't even like consciously know of themselves, right? right. Or, or like, right, that like, and that was like, we were in the space with one another where they're just like, this is me, like actually connecting to myself in a way mm. that is like meaningful. Right. And then I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna go back to performing the dynamics that I perform and being in the dynamics that I'm in with other people because that's what I need to do in order to function to survive yeah what did um once you experienced that shift within yourself and you took time for yourself to be able to navigate like who am I what do I want to do how did your art change or your offerings change to folks or your just presentation in general? I know we've kind of gone through like how you show up differently, but mm -hmm. what about the things that you felt comfortable with, with sharing and giving to the community, right? How did uh, that yeah, change? Definitely, I'm much more like, I'm much more uh, selfish with my offerings. Uh, <laughs> and I think that, and that has been... I think that I treat myself also as more sacred than I was before. I think that I was just like out here giving everything to everybody for free, for nothing in return, out of, again, out of duty, where now I'm much more mindful about like, how much of a free sample can you get? Like, do you actually need something for free or are you just taking advantage of me? Right. Um, do you actually care about being different or not, right? Like really gauging right. um, and being much more mindful about like what people's intentions are and if they're, and, and like just kind of leaving it at that and being like, well, there are some people that I am willing to give like things, give more to because I actually know them. We're in community with one another. They they truly do like need this space, right? Okay. Or they need they truly do need this offering from me. Um, and they don't have anything like to you know to reciprocate for it. Um, and then just being much more mindful about like that the things that I have to offer people are valuable, and that it's not mm -hmm. wrong for me to tell people no, if I don't mm -hmm. like what they want to give me or to tell people like, so one of the things is like, I don't know I've given away so much of my intellectual labor for free or at discounted rate to people. And part of the reason I think that people don't think that they should have to pay me for anything is because I'm black, um, is because I'm a fat person, um, is because I'm a femme identified person. And so me, really recognizing that like people already are going to try to not value me 
I'm not going to be one of those people that doesn't value me. And then calling that shit out or just not engaging with people if they don't want to pay me what I'm worth. And the, the person who wants to pay me and then like, and, and, re, and truly looking at it as like, that is your loss because right. if you don't want to pay me for, uh, for what I have to offer you, that's not my problem. That's it truly is to your own detriment. Exactly. Um, and, like, and not, and not feeling like I'm being arrogant by saying that. Cause that was one of the things too, is I was like, I don't feel like I, I'm like, I'm a bad bitch, but like, I don't want people <laughs> to be intimidated by me because which has yeah. happened, right? Like people have sure. told me, they're like, yeah, you intimidate me. Um, and I'm just like, okay. Um, yeah, there have been a lot. There's, it's really weird being like a public figure, I guess, because I don't even, because like, I don't feel, I don't walk around like, thinking that I'm like famous or like or that like people are paying attention to what I'm doing I'm just like I'm just Carlin like living my life and every now and then you know I'm like I'll post something and be like well I think that people are engaging with the shit that I'm posting and then people be like oh my gosh she posted something like seven months ago and like I'm still thinking about it I'm just Mm -hmm. like I don't even fucking remember I'm like okay yes I'm glad that like I'm I like I want to be clear that I, I am, I am happy that people engage with my content. I am happy that like, it is causing people to be reflect, like to reflect because that is, that is all, that is my intention, right? I do want sure. for people to think about things. I want for people to engage with themselves internally about stuff, but I don't walk around thinking that I'm like I'm changing the world because I posted mm. this this fire post on Facebook but like that's like people that's how like people are engaging with my shit they're like bitch you helped me shift my perspective perspective on something because of your Facebook post and so it, it is really like I think bridging like those two things together has been challenging for me mm-hmm. because I don't I don't think I, I'm still working on like truly understanding that what I have to offer people is is magnificent like mm-hmm. it is I have a perspective on things that like I don't regularly regularly see mm-hmm. um I have I have experienced things that I think like shape my perspective and offer me like a type of nuance that I don't know that like people that I think that people appreciate because I think people sure. feel seen in a way that like people can only feel seen if people have experienced something and they're like yes you're talking about the things that I'm feeling right sure. and so really like getting to the place where I'm just like yes this is what I have to offer is valuable and me saying that is the truth and how you feel about that isn't my problem in the sense of like I don't need to worry about what what feelings that arises in you because if I was a white person you wouldn't question it Tommy is a queer bodywork specialist who is honored to serve the queer and trans community of Tucson Queer and trans folks are often not centered or intentionally left out of the bodywork conversation, and she is working to change that with her business, Tucson Deep. She offers special pricing for LGBTQIA+, 
to Spirit and BIPOC because she sees the undeniable value of their work and knows how healing and transformative bodywork can be. Read more about Tommy, Tucson Deep, and book your massage at www.tucsondeep.com and use code PUSSYCAT at checkout for $10 off your first massage. Hi, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to part one of Carlin's interview. If you love Carlin as much as I do, which is probably very easy to do, you can find them on Instagram at BT Surface Pod. So that's B T S U R F A C E P O D. This is just part one, so I didn't have an outro from Carlin, but if you're interested in their work, their podcast is amazing. They recently just hit a thousand unique um, listeners, and I'm so proud of them. That is a really hard thing to do, and it's super incredible. So I'm looking forward to you all hearing part two next week, but there is a second episode today. So go over and listen to that. And thank you again for being here. Thank you.